0: If you have the same vision as International Horse College, which is to have a world where people safely appreciate, respect and enjoy their horses, and the horses appreciate, respect and enjoy their people, then have a look at their website, internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Today's guest is John Downs. John's a real all-round horseman. He started off trail riding when he's met his wife, and we might ask him about that and how he got started. He then went on to racehorses, he did dressage, he put in some jumping there as well. Then he focused more on dressage, rode in the state dressage squad. He's also done archery, garrocha, which we'll ask him about. He's doing a lot of mustering at the moment, but he's still competing in dressage. He's coaching, training and competing. How are you today, John? Yeah, I'm fine, thank you, Glenns. Good, good. John, we're going to start off with a favourite quote.
1: What have you got? One from Star Wars, of all things, and Yoda, and it's, don't try, do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's pretty important.
0: Tell me how how it's affected you. You know, when have you said to yourself, don't try, do?
1: Pretty much every day, <laughs> I think. And I, I've been Australian champion of other sports. It, I, I think horse riding is probably the, the hardest task you can do because it's a team sport where you can't communicate clearly. So every day when you hop on your horse, you actually – or set yourself some sort of goal, and you actually got to achieve it. Otherwise, you're not making progress. So it's no point just sitting there, just getting on a horse and hoping to do it. You've got to make it happen.
0: Yep, yep. And I forgot to mention in your introduction, John, too, that you were Australian champion. Tell us quickly about that other sport, because we're only interested in horse sports, but we, you know, we want to know about I, your other sport anyway. I, I was an
1: Australian archery champion for a while,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um, was on prospect to world championships, and also did triathlon at elite level and um, was up for Olympic selection for 10,000-meter running. So um, I was a bit of a sports nut. And um, coming from triathlon, you know, I met my wife, and you can't do triathlon to stay married, so I just did what she did, (laughs) which was um, take up the riding to keep everyone happy, happy wife, happy life.
0: Okay. Tell us about when you first started trail riding. I know you've got an interesting story. You weren't married at this stage. I think you were just trying to impress your future wife. And what happened? She wanted to hang out <laughs> trail riding with her.
1: Well, I amused her. I'm not sure if I impressed Cheryl, but I certainly amused her. She um I I was a, a triathlete and I thought I was pretty hot because I was elite level and being paid to do it. And uh, I hopped on a horse and she had this little appellusary thing and walked under a branch and took me out inside of all about 10 seconds and all the women, because there were no guys riding, you know what it's like, and uh, all the women were just about wetting themselves laughing and even the horses were laughing. So it was a bit embarrassing, but, um, yeah, I got back up. Um, <laughs> much to everyone's amusement, uh, including mine. No loss of, yeah, a bit of a loss of dignity, though. Yes,
0: yeah, yes, you know, I'm sure, but, I'm sure. So that was your first memories when you first started with horses. That's a long way. Then you went to race horses. When did you start? You know, what made you think that you were ever going to have a career in horses? You've been elite competitor in other sports and professional elite competitor. And then all of a sudden you've started this one. How old were you when you started? I was a very late starter. Probably
1: about 32 or 33 I started with the horses. Yeah. So
0: that in horse riding terms is, you know, Old man Pretty status, late. You're almost ancient, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's right. To get started, and but not just to get started, to get started and to do as well as you have done. You know, it's not just getting started. People do start things when they're older. You know, I always wanted to ride a horse and, and now I'd like to get started, but you've kept going with it. What made you think that you'd like to be a professional in it? It crept up on me. Mm-hmm. Is that because you just kept wanting to improve? Yeah,
1: exactly. I got yeah. bored with trail riding very, very quickly. Yep. I was terrified at the start because these women would canter off down narrow bush tracks trying to break my neck. And yet, yet I was very happy to go down a, a mountain pass on a pushbike at 100 kilometres an hour. But I was terrified. <laughs> but from there, after a while, I thought, well, it's getting a bit ho-hum. There's got to be more to it. And one of the girls that we were riding with mentioned to us that there was a thing called dress arts what's that? And she then proceeded to try to tell me. And I, I then started getting a few lessons from mm-hmm. the instructor from in Kabulchik, which is near Brisbane. And he started trying to teach me more and he kept on abusing me for riding my horse like a push bike. <laughs> and from there, it just kept on going from one level to the next. So as soon as you can start feeling a horse under you, you start opening yourself up to that sort of learning experience because horse is teaching you and then we started moving on through the levels. And once I've sort of was starting to get a few ribbons, my instructor said there was a racehorse trainer looking for uh, riders and would I be interested and I obviously jumped on that. And as you get more experience in the industry, you you start looking at it very differently. Yes. And you start looking at riders very differently too. And I thought, well, if I could have done okay at other sports. There's no reason why I won't do well at this. And I set some pretty lofty goals, which in hindsight were very naive because I didn't realize that the sport was so long-winded to learn. Like Mm -hmm. You get many people who start off in the sport young and and are blessed to have talented horses and money, and (laughs) they make very rapid progress. But people who most everyone else in the industry has to battle and, and, and it is a battle. So once I figured out that it was just hard work, and I, I like hard work, um, I thought I could do it. So once I figured out it was hard work. So, yeah, and that's, just, that's what got me going. Is that I figured if I just put my head down and bum up, I'd make a go of it.
0: Mm, mm, mm. When someone, you know, because I'm sure your students say, look, I, I'd like to work in the horse industry, and this is certainly younger than people, than once you know, your age when you first started, what would you say to them about their core skills or character traits to commence in the horse industry? And what do you think you had as an older rider? You know, you talked about you didn't mind the hard work, but what else is there?
1: That's a really difficult question because there are core skills that you're going to require. Mm, But mm. I think that the really two or three big ones. Uh, You can't just say one, but the the really big one is you've got to be honest. You've got to be honest with yourself and honest with your clients and honest with your horses. Yes. And I see a lot of dishonest industry. I don't mean that I'm not bagging anyone here, but a lot of people uh, kid themselves along or or kid other clients along or or, or kid their horses along instead of being honest about the results they're getting or what they're doing or where they're going. So honestly, I think it's probably the most important thing. Uh, Then next most important thing, and it's not a skill. Uh, you've got to have a love of horses. Yes. If you can't love horses, you know I think we all start off with a love of horses in this industry, but then often we get sidetracked be it for dollars so we can feed and eat, you know mm-hmm. and you know look after our family and pay the mortgage, or we want to win ribbons and get glory. But they're not a vehicle, they're, they've got feelings and they've got their own talents and the last thing they really want to do is to be ridden. So you've got to have a real love of horses. And the other thing is you've got to be a bit ADD. And I was talking to a guy the other day and he said, John, you're not ADD. No, you've got attention to detail, <laughs> which I thought was pretty good because if you ask Cheryl or, or you've known me, Glenn, yes. and this one thing I'm really big on is attention to detail. If you yeah, and It's not just doing up the girth or looking at the stitching. It, it's much more than that. It's looking at the long-term plans of your clients and, and yourself, and where you hope to be in five, ten years or, or next week. So attention to detail. So I think you know, you've know you got to be honest. You've got to have attention to detail. But most importantly, you've got to have that love of horses and people because you you know the biggest problem with horses is people. So if you don't get on well with people, you're not, you're not going to do well in the industry because yeah. They're, yeah. they're the biggest problem, not the horses.
0: Mm, mm, mm. What do you think is the best thing about working with horses and working in the horse industry?
1: I get to meet on a daily basis some really terrific horses and terrific people, but probably it's the horses that stand out. That's probably the best thing. Whenever I hop on a horse, and you can ask any of my clients, you know, does John hop on your horse, or can you keep John off the horse? And they'll all say no. You know, he's got to be on the horse. He's got to feel what's going on. And horses can't lie. You know, they... Tell me what's going wrong or how the rider's riding well or badly. They're so honest, you know. And so I've got a real love of horses, and I think they're given a real short shift by many riders. They're not given the respect they do. Mm-hmm. And the older I get, the more I feel that the gentler I am, the older I get. I mean, I'm as guilty as riding for ribbons as anyone else, but the older I get, the gentler I am, and the more I'm interested in the welfare of, you know, my friend, you know, my horse. Mm, mm, And for mm. sure that I might have to, you know, give him a smack with the whip or encourage him with the spur. But generally, you know, I get on and give him a bit of licorice. And when I get off, I give him a bit of licorice. I want him to like me. Yeah. So, you know, I I love the horse. I really think that's the thing that keeps me going is someone's got to stand up for the horse. Yeah. And if you can keep that in the back of your mind all the time is when I'm working, I think it makes it much easier for me. And I think generally most of my clients can see that I love animals and yes. I love teaching. Yes, yep.
0: Yeah. John, tell us about a person or some people who've influenced you and helped you make decisions in your career, you know, like put you along certain pathways, certain lines.
1: I've been really lucky. Um, I, I think anybody... In any endeavour, they're going to want to be successful. It has to surround themselves with people who are going to aid them in their goals. And I've been very lucky to meet quality people along my journey with the horses. People like Christian Thies, this is Greta Fertigran chapmeister, who died recently. himself, Glenys, who got me a venting. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, that's right. Well, you got me on the, you got me jumping, which is something I hadn't been involved in. Yeah. And there's been a whole heap of other people who have been really kept me on a straight and narrow. You know, people like Lee Bierman mm-hmm. and Jenny Gerke. Jenny Gerke was probably the first top quality instructor I went to, and she. Kept on pounding away about inside leg to outside leg or whatever, you know. And, yes. and finally it started making sense after years. It doesn't happen overnight. So these people are really important to me because they, they set you on a journey and keep you on the straight and narrow. It's not about brutality. It's about understanding and knowledge. So these people have really changed me. Um, other people, Ori Clatter and Uri Spenland, have both been very important.
0: Yep. What about horses? Who do you think's influenced you and um, made some career-changing choices?
1: I was extremely lucky. Jenny Girkie put me on. To, she was on years ago in the mid-nineties. Was on mm-hmm. a good horse called Contest. I think. Yes. Kentessa, yes. I think. Yep. I'm not really sure. And a, a full sister of the horse came up the sale, and had been neglected in the paddock, badly neglected in the and said this horse could be good. And I went out and looked at this donkey, and it was covered in rain school and stunted, and all sorts of things, but we went and bought the horse for next to nothing and we put the work in and I broke her in and things like that. And that horse put me on a journey to state teams and the Olympic athlete program at the time. They were really big steps because that was the first quality horse I'd ridden and it taught me the difference between just any horse and a quality horse. Very few horses have the mental capacity or the physical capacity to go all the way to the top.
0: Mm, mm.
1: And that was that was really the first good horse I rode. And since then, I've, been, I've had the pleasure of meeting other really, really good horses. You know, Cardi, who's an Australian, um, sorry, who's an Arabian horse, which I've won a hell of a lot on, and Skeg, a little Australian yes. that I rode for you yep. and mainly. These are all quality horses and either jumped well or did dressage extremely well, very competent around stock or whatever I was doing at the time. And I also rode a number of Group 1 horses on for Susie Mason, Horses like Easting Down and El Rena and horses like that, which were real quality horses, but terrifying. <laughs> but real quality horses. So it taught me the difference between a good horse and a great horse. And I, I've been very lucky to be around some really, really great horses. And, you know, another one will come along sooner or later. It's up to me to make them great. For, Again, sure, for they're sure. Not just born great, it's up to me to mould them into that sort of shape, yeah.
0: Oh, I'm thinking about that me you had, you know, the full sister to Contessa. You know, yeah. I saw a photo of her when she was a young, weedy, not, you know, like she was just she was nothing, horrible. you know, she could have been in the dog pen, yeah. but then, you know, she grew and developed and became into a lovely horse, yeah. Yeah,
1: Yeah, we got her up to advance, and then she broke down because she'd been starved so much mm. as a baby. She'd hurt somebody, owner. she'd hurt Diana's mother as a baby, and they'd just left her in a paddock in Boor, um, coastal Queensland. and. Basically, had to starve, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, and again, it shows as you learn through the industry that taking on a horse that's been stunted for a year or two years and not fed means that the horse is going to break down later on because it hasn't got the correct nutrition to have bone structure. Yes, and yep. the horse broke down, and she collapsed as a ten-year-old. But her poles now, there's a number of poles that are going St. George's, mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. and
1: I've got another pole coming up from Merrin and Andrew, which is out of this mare and yep. hopefully she'll go a long way because she's a quality horse, so the genes yeah. are still there. Yes. It was just unfortunate that she was abused. But, yeah, I was very, very lucky to be on a horse of that quality.
0: Mm. What do you think your proudest moment's been? Getting
1: on the state team. Yep. State Dress Up Squad definitely was the was the proudest moment. And I was riding a little horse called um, Cardi. Oh, I was just trying to think. Anyway, is for Olivia Rose and... I was competing in this little stadium, the an Arab stadium, and we had a, a number of major wins with this horse in the Arab world. And, and I was very proud of that because the horse finally became an extension of me. And all the people who are listening today will hopefully have felt a horse where they become a part of the horse. It's my goal as a rider to not be horse and rider but to be a unit. Mm-hmm. And, and this horse is, was a horse that allowed me to, to join up with him, you know, do it he would do what I will without thinking and and vice versa. And we worked as a great team. So even though it's not a proud moment, it's just making that unity with the horse and that togetherness, feeling that in special circumstances you get. And most of us, I know for many years I was schooling six horses a day and teaching till eight hours a night and often ride 15 or 20 horses a day. Very few horses make that connection and when you make that connection for a horse, it's very special and mm. um, it's something we're proud of because it allows, it supersedes just you being on a horse and sitting on a horse for whatever yep. reason you're there.
0: Yep, yep. Thinking about, you know, getting up to the stage because people coming into the industry would love to say, wow, I've got enough work that I'm, I've got, you know, half a dozen horses that I'm riding, schooling. You'd have some of your own, some of clients, lots of lessons. What do you think is the biggest challenge for people to get to the stage where they're doing this full-time? Determination is hard to stay focused when
1: the industry is a hard industry. I've worked in other industries and I've done other sports, and this industry is rather cruel. It uses people, unfortunately, in the lower levels, and it's not money. So the the determination to get out of bed at 4.30 in the morning, to be on the first horse to do the feed-up and then be on the first horse at 5.30 – and then get home at nine o'clock at night from lessons be where they are or driving all night coming back from the school to again start the same old drudgery next morning of getting the next horse ready it's extremely tough and so determination if you don't have that you're just not going to last in the industry you must be really pig-headed about what your goals are and if you ask Cheryl and you know, she'll quite happily my wife she'll quite happily say, Yes, join pig headed, yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, I set my focus on something and it. If you're not pig headed in this sense, you just won't cut it. So you look at all the other champions out there and people doing well, they're really pig headed. They don't get there by accident. They get there by hard work.
0: Yep, yep. Yes, and that determination, pig headed determination, that's that's a good description. For someone then that's getting into the industry, what are you going to tell them? to be pig-headed, to say you can do this, but you've got to have that pig-headed determination?
1: Yeah, look, I, I've had a number of people ask me about the industry. Mm-hmm. I've been very lucky. I've got a, a, a reasonable number of clients who are now in the industry here and overseas in Europe. And uh, But I tell them to think carefully about it. There are easier ways of making a living. And, and sometimes if you do too much, you can lose your love of horses along
0: the way. That's important to say, isn't it? You know, because you said we all start off with the love of horses. Sometimes people get sidetracked and it's important to keep going back and remembering why you got into the industry. You know, you got into it not because of the money, not because you thought it was a pretty cushy job, but because of the love of horses. And uh, I think remembering that is, yeah, pretty important.
1: It's hugely important. If you don't love the animals, you're not going to last long. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. years ago I was probably working way too hard Mm -hmm. and, you know, you have to win in this industry if you're going to get clients or making an, it uh, and you know, for dressage riders or instructors or whatever, it's important that you do do well. But then finally you start ending up and treating your horses and machines. So if you end up doing that, you might as well get out of the job. And yes. the yes, best thing right. I've done is, is moving out west to Western Queensland and mustering and still riding my dressage. And it's given me a fresh lease of life. I love my riding, mm-hmm. but, it's very easy to get tired, you know. I think it's only human nature to be tired because it's a seven-day-a-week job, and it is definitely twelve months a year, every week of the year yep. that you are involved somewhere along the line. Any of the professionals in this industry doing the same, the same. That you just can't. You know, you'll be getting phone calls from clients at nine o'clock at night or six o'clock in the morning, or a horse will go down with, for whatever reason, and suddenly the bets out at one in the morning. Yeah, it's a seven-day-a-week job.
0: So if you don't love the animals, you're not going don't to go get far. It jobs, yeah. yep. but you've got to really love the animals. Do you think that's the biggest problem with riders, trainers, handlers, or have you got another one for us? Because you, you do a lot of schools and you've had a long time in the industry. I can't say a lifetime, but you know you've been in the industry a long time and you've done a lot of teaching and training and schools, clinics, competitions, and And, in a different variety of fields as well, what do you think is the main thing that people can learn about horses, just generally all round? I think the
1: the biggest thing I see in the industry that sends me crazy is a lack of patience. Who mm-hmm. was it Padratsky, I think on his deathbed was saying that it takes a, you know that he was just getting good at it,, Yes, and it takes a lifetime to learn to ride, and I'm still learning,
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: And I, I see 16 year olds and 18 year olds who I'm teaching, mm. and they're impatient because they're young, they're impatient, which is understandable. They're impatient to make it happen. But the best thing to think about is an Italian term, festina lente, which means uh, hasten slowly. It's a music term. Mm-hmm. And hasten slowly is the best way to get there fast, I think, in this game and still respect the animal. Yep. And, and so, a lack of patience. So, I just wish people would breathe a bit spend the next three years scoring the level they should be doing and when it's solid and they can be kind to their horse then go out and compete instead of trying to make the horse do what they they wanted to do through lack of ability and I think what's the old saying where where knowledge ends violence begins and you know I cringe when I see some riders right and but see everyone's trying to do their best Mm, so it's mm. all very well me saying I cringe but that's disrespectful to their efforts that they're trying the hardest they can, the, the only way they can.
0: If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the horse chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats.com. Do you think that's lack of knowledge that they're trying the best yes, way they positive. can? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A total lack of knowledge. And
1: you know, I, I didn't know what inside deck the outside rain was and Instructor after instructor would, would shout it at me, and and then you know I get a glimpse of it after a few years, and another glimpse of it a year or two later, and then mm. now it makes perfect sense. Yes, but you can't tell me someone who's riding this for five or ten years really understands how a horse works. They don't.
0: Mm. Mm.
1: It's just a lack of knowledge. That knowledge is built up over many horses and many lessons, reading lots of books, and keeping an open mind and um, yeah, I lack of knowledge. That's that's the big thing, and patience. You know, and it takes. You've got to be patient to learn.
0: What have you got then as a book to complement training? You talked about Podiisky. Is that a recommended book, or have you got any others? Uh, I like
1: Podiisky, but for writers at different levels, I, for most of my students, because the, the greatest propensity in this industry isn't teaching Grand Prix riders; it's teaching. Yeah, prelim to elementary riders. Mm-hmm. I think Down to Earth Dressage by Carl Hest is a brilliant book. Okay, yeah. And I had a, a student work for Carl for quite a long time, and but he just breaks it down in really simple terms. There's no mystery about it. He just breaks it down into common sense stuff. And so Down to Earth Dressage. And if you're a bit further along the line, I'm a bit more open to cosmic thought or whatever, Riding Towards the Light by Paul Balasic.
0: Okay.
1: Yep. It's just a beautiful book, and he talks about half-halt and trying to figure out what a half-halt was, as we all still are. They're beautiful, beautiful book to read. It's just a series of stories. So, Paul Balasic, he's written a series of books, but that's the best one he's done, Riding Towards the Light, yeah. for me anyway. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. They, they really stand out for me as things that people should read. Be be whatever you're interested in, be it dressage or camp drafting or, or show jumping or whatever. You know, they come through for with love of with the horse, which is really important.
0: John, what are you looking forward to now? You've got a young horse you're bringing on. What, what else is happening?
1: Um, Monday and Tuesday I'm mustering. <laughs> you what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm mustering on Monday and Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. And we're, it's only a little place. It's only 5,500 acres, but it'll be fun. Uh-huh. I've got the Australian Championships for Andalusians and coming up in Brisbane in two weeks' time, three weeks' time. Yep. So I'll be taking a horse down there. So I've
0: got a young little mare, very hot, who I'm taking down there, and she's mm-hmm. good. I'm doing garotcha on her as well. Oh, and I'm going to ask you about Garotcha as well. You know, just briefly explain, because what I'd like to do is to get you back and talk, you know, a little bit more about Garotcha and do it in a bit more details, but just briefly talk about Garotcha. And that's, hang on, that's spelled just for everyone. It's G A R O T C H R, C H A. C H A,
1: that's right. Yeah, Garotcha. And I'm not sure if that's Spanish for big stick or something, but that works for me. And it's basically the skills that you need to work as a matador or, or work cattle in Spain and Portugal and the Iberian Peninsula. They use the garocha when they're working the animals. And it, it's an extension of that. So when you're in the ball ring, they're using a the garocha to push the ball around and things like that. Not that I want to work in a ball ring, but it, it's working around a long manse in, in walk and canter mainly. And later on, you're basically working. It, this, the garocha is probably about oh, five metres long. Mm-hmm. It's fairly long. It's a long pole. And so you should be able to counter a 10-metre circle and keep a point on the ground on one spot and do flying changes out of those circles and counter half-passes. And So it's very dressage-focused, but it's all done one-handed because you're holding the garotcha in your right hand. You're holding the range in your left. So you want a horse that can sit and click well, so that brings the Iberian breeds like Lusitana's and Lusaean's, the um, Pizana's to the sport rather than the big warm bloods. And stock horses too. You know, horses that are hand made the beast, beasts—they're going to handle it pretty well. So you need a horse that can sit behind to jump around like that. It's just really, really beautiful. Some very good YouTube videos on it, mm-hmm. and and I play classical Spanish guitar, and it sort of goes in with that sort Spanish sort of thing. It's just a beautiful thing to watch. Like I get a bit bored watching dressage sometimes. It's good to ride, but it's not the most exciting sport to watch. Show jumping's way better, but watching the gracia, it's. It's a breath of fresh air seeing the way the people work around that land and work with the horses. Yep, It really is something that's not done much in Australia. It's much bigger in Europe. Yep. And uh, I don't know anyone in this. There must be other people in Australia doing it. And it's part of working equitation as well. Working equitation uses it a little bit, but not to the same sort of degree as what you do in the specific sport of the garotcha.
0: Yep, yep. Okay, John, just in a couple of sentences, can you summarise your philosophy with horses into a message for our listeners? Okay, a couple of sentences. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's
1: not so easy. Look, love the animal you're on.
0: Okay, okay.
1: And, and push yourself every day. If you don't have those two things, you just not, just not going to work. So yeah. if, if yeah. you can't love your animal, if you can't love your horse, and if you're not pushing yourself, you just.
0: You're not going to keep
1: improving. You shouldn't be there. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You shouldn't be there. But, you know, there's nothing more beautiful than being out in a, a two or three or four thousand acre paddock or up a mountain range riding a horse or, or doing a flying change or a counter-half pass. I mean, what's more beautiful than that? Mm-hmm. It's just so hard to beat. It's just that unity that you won't get in any other sport.
0: Yep, yep. John, how can people contact you?
1: By phone, I'm not sure. Do you want me to say my phone number or anything? Yeah, or?
0: say it. Now, if people can't get it down quickly, it's going to be on your page anyway, which will be horsechats.com slash John Downs, or else they can go to horsechats.com, search for John or search for Downs. So if you want to say that, that'll be great. Okay, it's, uh, the phone number's is 0429 486
1: 839. And we have a, a, um, a Facebook page as well, just John Downs, so or an email address is Downs Equestrian, like in horses at bigpond.com. Brilliant.
0: All right. So that's great, those contact details. And John, thanks very much. I think the the versatility you bring into the sport is great, but still but you're still building on a lot of classical principles. You know, I think it's quite interesting the the fields that you're getting into, um and, and you know, you being as passionate as what you are about what you're doing, not just doing it at a low level, but you know, start coming up into the elite level and and you started off with archery, but then you're doing, yeah, like archery and horses. What's that? Just a horse archery? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah
1: we've got horse archery yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, highest qualified horse archer in Australia,
0: I think, or something like that, yeah. you know, or yeah. instructor. So, again, coming in at the elite level, you know, starting off elite yeah, level at other schools. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: It's good to learn to write about range. yeah. yeah. Yeah, doesn't
0: sound like dress art, so. <laughs> okay. All right. So, John, if we can get you back and um, on a couple of other occasions, I think, so you can talk about these different areas of specialty would be brilliant. I'd love to. Okay. I really would. I really enjoyed it. Good. Good. Thank you very much. No worries. We'll talk to you soon, John. Okay. Bye. Okay, mate. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe.